Thanks for listening to Spark, an entrepreneurship podcast hosted by Ignite Lab at Loyola University, Chicago. My name is Allison Hightoff, and I'm your host. But today is sadly my last episode before I will be transitioning into my new full-time job as a consultant. It's been such a fun journey launching this podcast and being able to showcase the stories and insights of so many different guests with the Ignite Lab community. With that being said, if you ever want to connect with me or have a conversation about entrepreneurship, please don't hesitate to reach out. I'll leave my LinkedIn in the description of this episode. And now it's time to tell you about today's guest. Ariel Leopold has had a diverse career path, from law to business school to her current full-time role in corporate strategy. But beneath all that, she's an avid doodler. That's right. In the midst of detailed meeting notes are pages and pages of sketches. What started out as a form of creative expression and a way for her to process information blossomed into a desire to do something more. So in the midst of the pandemic, when everyone was lounging around in their sweatpants and hoodies, she launched the Armory United, an athleisure company where each line of products is inspired by one of her doodles. In the episode, Ariel walks through her process of creating each line, from sketch to product launch, as well as how she balances running her business while still working her full-time corporate job. She also shares a powerful message to entrepreneurs, especially women entrepreneurs, about setting boundaries and making time for your interests and passions outside of work. I hope you enjoy the episode. Well, I'm really excited to have Ariel Leopold, the founder of Armory United, joining me here today. How are you doing? Doing great. How are you? I'm wonderful. You know, in our initial conversation together, I remember you telling me how Ignite Lab was just getting started the year that you were graduating with your MBA from Loyola. So how cool it is to have you on our podcast now. Yeah. So first, can you just tell the audience a little bit about yourself? Yeah, absolutely. Well, my name is Arielle Leopold, like you mentioned, founder of the Armory United and a proud Loyola alum. Um, It was the Ignite Lab sort of inaugural year when I was just finishing business school. So I've seen how far you guys have come and I'm just so proud to be associated. I'm really proud to be here um, to like come back and, and share my experience with you. So thank you so much for the invitation. Really for for me, I've had a really diverse career. And I've, I've had this sort of um, ability to work at the Supreme Court, work in, you know, some of the best law firms in the entire world, and then transition to business school, come out in more of a manufacturing um, organization and start to express this kind of like creative impulse with the armory. So it's it's been a long journey and a lot of different experiences. So really excited to kind of dive in with you guys and share what I can. Yeah. So I guess, can you introduce Armory United and kind of what sparked the idea for the business? Absolutely. So, you know, the the Armory United is all about creative expression. It's all of those things that you can't or won't or really shouldn't say um, being expressed in a way that only you really understand. It started from all of my doodles, right? I think a lot of people who've known me and probably from our interactions, you can tell that I've 
you know, pretty outspoken. And that's not always the best course of action, you know, always stand up for what you believe in, always, you know, try to try to get your point across. But you do have to be smart about how you communicate and listen to your audience and, and be sort of receptive to feedback in order to be effective. So I found myself like, okay, this confrontation might not be the best approach in every single situation. And so I became a really avid note taker, always paying attention. Um, and when I had some kind of commentary, it usually came out in the form of a doodle, whether it was in class, whether it was at work, you know, whether it was any kind of group situation where I felt like, okay, you probably shouldn't say that out loud. It manifested in these, these doodles, right? And so as we got into 2020, and you see a lot of things going on that you want to say something about, and yeah, like sometimes you have to be very explicit and say that out loud and find the right words and articulate your point. Um, but some things, you know, it's better just to listen. And so when I would listen, I would doodle. And I thought, you know, maybe I can share this with the world. So we were all at home, was sick of wearing my gray sweatpants, my black yoga pants. And I thought, all right, I want to do something with my, with my doodles. And that's how the Armory United was born. It was an expression of whether it was, you know, excitement or frustration or anxiety or, or just not even not even knowing what to call it and just having some kind of creative impulse. That is still a valid response to what's going on around you. And so I decided to say, okay, look, I'm going to, I'm going to use these doodles. And so that's how our first line was born. The Parker, um, little outspoken bird. Right. And it's, we grabbed it from an old notebook. Literally the, the first use was a, picture of a doodle, not even in any kind of app, um, and just trying to figure out how to make this into a product. And it kind of helped me channel a lot of that anxious energy from just being at home and being sort of, you know, taken off guard by everything that was happening in the world and channeling it into something productive and creative where I felt like this is a part of me that is real, that is true, that is authentic, and I can share it and somebody else might pick it up and feel like, oh, thank God, like not another gray sweatpant, like not my black, like regular ensemble, you know, something different, something new where I can feel like I'm getting dressed, but I can still be comfortable. And if I do need to like go out into the world, you know, I, I feel like this is this is an actual choice that I that I made to wear this and it feels like actual clothing. So that was the beginning of the armory. Awesome. So, you know, I feel like doodles are something that are very private. You know, it's something they try to hide or not show to other people. So was this a part of your life that, you know, your friends knew that you did or even your coworkers, did they ever see catches of little doodles? Or was this completely like new to people when you were like, hey, I'm actually going to go out and do this? Oh, yeah. it. You're right. It is intensely private. And you do try to sort of cover it up or, you know, when you're sitting, you're moving your notebook so no one can really see it. Because I do think there is sort of a um, people think you're not paying attention when you're when you're doodling, even though that's how I'm processing the information. I have little landmarks in all of my notes. You know, someone might like cite something. Oh, were you in that meeting last Tuesday? I was like, oh, yeah, that's unicorns. Like, for sure. I was there. I remember I was doodling. Right. <laughs> um, but but, you know, my kind of like inner circle knew that I was always doodling because they would see me kind of like flipping around and they'd see all the papers 
like scattered around when you're in a more like vulnerable place. But yeah, for the most part, most of my my coworkers don't know that I'm in, an intense doodler. Um, they know I'm a, a really avid note taker, but they don't know that there are also a lot of little tiny figurines that go along with those very detailed notes. I also, I kind of cover my tracks because I send a lot of very detailed recap emails after my meetings, like with your action items and your takeaways. And so when I'm constantly, you know, in my notebook, it kind of gives me cover, right? Like, yes, like I'm taking very detailed notes, but I'm also drawing a little troll under a bridge. So it's, it's half and half, like friends, people who, you know, you kind of like, let down your guard with like they know that there's there are a lot of like goofy little images in my notebooks at work I kind of don't don't really talk about it too much (laughs) yeah and okay so then you have a sketch in this notebook and how does that go from a sketch to an actual product like what are all the steps that you had to take and that I'm sure you've probably figured out and you know, gotten very familiar with at this point, like, what is that process like? Oh, yeah, you know, it's, it's still in development, because, you know, for for me, my background isn't really in design, my background isn't really in, you know, any kind of animation or, or graphic, I'm pretty hopeless when it comes to the actual, um, you know, I love to doodle, pen and paper, that's my thing, actually putting this into a format that can be replicated and printed and you know, put on fabric was a huge learning curve for me. And I think that's one of the things that took the the most amount of time where I really have the most doubt as a business person, right? I know that I can forecast and make really sound decisions and be smart um, about, you know, how money is being spent and what levers I'm pulling as a business owner. When I'm trying to like get my art, you know, into a pattern that I really like or something that fits my vision, that's the part where, you know, it's, it's a learning curve that you've got to kind of figure out. And so for me, it started with literally taking a picture of the sketch on my phone and then trying to edit that on countless different apps, like free apps, paid apps, um, trying to sketch over it in a different app. You know, it's all trial and error. And some of the things I really liked and some of the things I really hated, but, but yeah, like each line is different. There's not really one prescribed, you know, formula for for making, which is why you see a lot of variation from line to line. So the Parker line, it was that picture that I was manipulating into a pattern that was symmetrical and felt like there was order within that, that chaos of this bird just like reacting to the world around it. Right. And that fit for what that line was you know, this is our latest line, the Trinity that I'm wearing right now. And I felt like I could kind of move away from that symmetrical pattern and find a way to sort of like integrate three different little figures that were all from a a similar time. I'm sitting in just a lot of really miserable meetings, right? Where like nobody wanted to listen to each other. And so doodle starts going. But so this was another it was a drawing app. It was like the Adobe Draw app. And so starting with the picture and starting to manipulate it and try to remove backgrounds and try to protect the integrity of what it started as while also making it repeatable, uh, making it bigger, 
because the quality of these images, right? Like if you're taking a picture and you're blowing it up, like there are all of these additional constraints and concerns that you have to think about when you're taking something from paper to fabric, right? So that was also also a learning curve. But but yeah, it starts with a real sketch that was from a real point in my life, from like a real notebook. Even with us talking right now, I always have paper, right? And then getting that into a digital format. And then, okay, like now that we've got the flexibility, how are we going to communicate something that is that is real and that is interesting to, you know, our, our customer base. And then, you know, we have a wide network of, of manufacturers. So once we have figured out what our design is going to be and what our, what our colors are and even what our products are going to be, you know, the Trinity line was the first line where we introduced a yoga pant and a full zip. And we had always done the sports bras, but we wanted to do another colorway, you know, while also preserving our relationship with our hoodie and jogger manufacturer. These are all conversations that needed to be navigated and you need to, you know, stand up for the integrity of your vision while also being flexible about the reality of manufacturing, especially the manufacturing during COVID. A lot of delays, a lot of concerns around outbreaks. Our entire model is built on the idea that we don't carry inventory because we don't want to have fabric sitting, just picking up anything in a warehouse. You know, we don't want it to be touched by people. Every time you order something from the armory, it's being made specific for you in a controlled environment because we're just responding to the environment that we're living in and that we're operating in. So, you know, I think we've, we've gotten the system a little bit more controlled you know, now we know like, all right, the first thing I'm going to do is go through all my notebooks and like, which, which sketch do I want to work with next? And then I get it into a digital format. And then once I, I have sort of like a, like an actual usable graphic that I want to use, I start looking at my manufacturing kind of roster and saying, all right, who's the right manufacturer for this? Can they deliver it on time? Can they uphold our model? Can they give me a product that I like? And then it's sampling. A lot of sampling. A lot of mistakes come out during sampling. Cannot stress that enough. Like order your samples, like review them, like put them to the test, like get a group of testers who you know and you trust and like vet all of those products because things happen and you don't expect it based on a mock-up, right? And then once all the testing is finalized, then we go to mock-up product photos, which is also changing and a challenge and then we start our social media campaigns and then we open it up, right? And we have a lot of really engaged followers on Instagram or the Armory United. We're also on Facebook. We are figuring out our stores and how to connect those two platforms. We have been encouraged to start TikToks, which is the new terrifying frontier for us. Um, but just communicating out that line once it is ready to go, that's the most kind of exciting part, like announcing the line, getting people's responses online. Um, what do they love? What do they hate? Can I actually be actionable with that feedback? And if I can, I do. And then you just, you, you let it out there and you, you keep sort of like communicating about it. And, and that's, that's sort of like the soup to nuts beginning to end of, of each line we do. Wow. And so what's the timeline for that? Oh man. So the first one, so Parker, let's see, we, we were finally stood up in mid-August and 
I had been really uh, just agonizing over the line and whether it was good enough and whether it looked stupid and whether this whole idea was just like a like a lark, like, what am I even doing? You know, there's a lot of self-doubt that goes, that goes along with putting something so, so private and intimate and inherently yours out into the world. And I was like, you know what? Like, I like it. I'm wearing it. And like, so far the people who I've shown it to think it's really cool. You know what? What's there to lose? Like, I've already come this far. You know, I already literally built a website. It took forever because I had no idea what I was doing, but you know, you just have your list of things that you need to do and you get them done. So that was the the beginning of August that we launched. I had probably been working on it since since like March. Um so probably March, April, May, June, July, four months lead time, launch in August, and then course correct for the way that the the printer started running them, the coloration was off. So I start getting like people are sending pictures and they're posting on social media. I'm like, that color like looks wrong. Like, the, and everybody gets it and they love it. And they're like, wow, this is new. And I'm like, that's not the right color. So I had to run three more replacement lines to try to get it right. Because for my you know expectation, I thought it looked a little yellow. The people who were receiving it thought it was like a distressed look. And I was like, no, 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 no. Like, and you send replacements. So that took another three months maybe. So it wasn't really until probably November that I felt confident that I had, you know, gotten all the kinks worked out in the Parker line. I had, you know, delivered to my customers what I thought and everybody got to keep whatever pieces they had received in the first run. You know, it was important to me that they get to see the initial run and also see what our preference was was going to be for the final line and it's hilarious because we got a lot of mixed reviews to be like oh you know actually I like the original a lot better or I like the third version better or I like the second version I was like okay so the thing that I learned here is that it's a cool idea and you know even with all of my sort of like perfectionism and reruns and like oh this color isn't right or this pattern could be bigger or like just nitpicking other people didn't see the same flaws that I saw in every single line. So from March to November was what it took for the first line. And I probably could have shaved easily four months off of that. So when I got to my second line, the Reginald, it was an image that I I knew I wanted to do something with in in the fall and winter. It was interesting coloration because I wanted sort of this caramel, which is a hard hard tone to get right. I didn't want it to be tan. I didn't want it to be beige. I didn't want it to be brown. I wanted it to be that like rich, like a camel coat, you know, a camel hair coat. And so I had learned the lesson from the Parker being like, I don't need to spend an extra four months perfecting this thing. I got my, my sketch kind of transferred to digital. I picked my manufacturer. I got my sort of like first samples and I was like, okay, here we go. And this was the first line that we had offered a more conservative print of the sketch because that was some of the feedback we got. You know, I I wear it for for my meetings. I'm on Zooms, but for some meetings, I don't want to wear a hoodie. Can you do something without a hood? I was like, yeah, of course I can. So I did. And that was, you know, a little bit more time picking that that extra product and, and getting 
sort of the feel right we actually ended up offering a mega print that was really true to our, mm-hmm. our roots of this like big loud repeating pattern and we did an even more conservative um press print that had the sketch and it had our logo and it had some interesting characteristics that we thought were true to us but it was more of a secret it was more of that idea that you could be wearing it over your shoulders and go somewhere very conservative lunch you could you know, go to a tennis, you could play tennis in this thing if you wanted to, which was sort of the the new litmus test for like, how conservative is this? Like, could I play golf in it? Could I play tennis in it? Came out of nowhere. <laughs> like, like, you know, can I, can I have this over my shoulders in a meeting and be with C-suite executives? Like, how far can I wear this when I'm not just sitting on my couch reading emails or, you know, hopping on with, you know, my colleagues that are my peers? And so that became sort of a new question for us. Like, all right, so we're going to do a line. We're going to make it faster. But where are we going to be applying it, right? And so, so yeah, the, the Reginald came out much faster. Uh, probably we started it once we had finished all of our, like, final, final, like, Parker, you know, Parker madness. It was like a fever. The Parker line was just like an all-consuming obsession, and once we had recovered from that, I think we actually got the Reginald up and running in three months, maybe wow. two and a half. Yeah. And then moving on to the Trinity line, we were expanding and choosing new products. So we we started working the Trinity in, in probably January and we launched it in, we launched it to testers in March and we went live in, in April with it. Um, and so we are, we are getting better. Um, and we're, we're starting to like understand, okay, like the different requirements for the different fabrics. Cause you know, when you're dealing with a yoga material, for example, there's a wide spectrum in what you're dealing with. We've been pretty, um, pretty committed to like cotton poly because we wanted it to be a little stretchy. We wanted it to be, you know, able to hold color and not pill too badly. Um, moving into more more synthetic blends was kind of an adventure because you realize when they stretch it distorts your color and so that was a bit of a learning curve for us but I think we're we're closer to that like three month from conception to go live now than we were definitely we were not close to that at all with Parker like Parker was like a full year obsession but we're we're getting there we're getting faster yeah. And so it sounds like you've gotten a lot of feedback from customers that you've talked to and that sort of thing. And I know when I was talking to you, you mentioned that you did or you participated in the entrepreneurial marketing class that Loyola puts on for MBA students to kind of help out different people who have started businesses and who have startups. And so what did you learn from that just in terms of social media insights and just understanding your audience and your customers and who was buying your products? Oh, absolutely. You know, so much of what I rely on in terms of my decision-making, in terms of big changes to my business approach are kind of foundational lessons that I learned in Professor Uger's class. My MBA was in finance and I tried to focus a lot on private equity and entrepreneurship because I always thought they were were interesting. And I was really drawn to both of those fields. For Professor Uwer's classes, you know, entrepreneurial marketing, sort of the introduction to marketing, marketing foundations, 
those were really formative for me in terms of it's it's not just going out there and winging it. There's a lot of research you can do. There's a lot of planning you can do. And when you start getting feedback about your your product and your offering, you can respond to that and be more successful. So I think really the the first part um a lot of the infrastructure work, you know, was was just basic to-do list, task list. How do you want to organize your your company? And that was something I learned from, you know, introduction to entrepreneurship, which was just, what is this for you? Like, is is this a business? Is this a hobby? Is this something you can scale? Like, what what is your intention with this? Are you planning on being the only person? Are you planning on franchising? Where do you want to go with it? it was something that I I honestly learned to think about through Professor Uger and his programs. And then once you know, like, I would love this business to grow and scale and, and manifest sort of all of the ideals that I want to see in the world, right? Like, I would love this to be a billion dollar brand that has a full staff and, and runs in multiple locations and has like a brick and mortar presence. Like, the sky's really the limit, right? But you have to start somewhere. And for, for me also... The Armory is about expression and it's about feeling fortified and feeling stronger and how to communicate that and be effective at that was really something that I learned how to measure through Professor Uger's classes, right? Like, so you're looking at a market segment. Who are you going to sell this thing to? Who is going to buy it? Why do they want it? What does your customer look like? What is that profile? And what are their spending habits? The, the actual conversion between someone saying, I really like this thing. That's cool. Responding to a survey being like, 100%, I would buy this. What price would you pay? Oh, I'd pay $500 for a hoodie. Like, it's a luxury item, you know? It's a piece of art. Like, yeah, sure. Okay. So the response to that survey and the actual person going to your website and putting in their credit card information, pressing purchase and being like, yeah. I just spent my money that I, you know, had to like sit at my laptop and, and earn and like I pay all my bills and I buy all my groceries. Yeah, I just took a big chunk of that and spent it on a hoodie that, you know, I don't know you. I don't know who you are. Like, I don't know what your product is actually going to look like. That's a risk to a lot of people. And a lot of the forecasting that we do is really our market segmentation and looking at spending habits. And that's entrepreneurial marketing. That's basically coming up with your profile, looking at their spending habits, looking where they are. How are you even going to to communicate your value proposition to them, right? Being able to find those people is something that I learned through through Loyola and something I learned from Professor Uber, especially. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And so all of this, I'm sure creating the product, doing all this research, all this takes time and it's all a big learning curve and everything. And so how have you been successful at managing your time? Because you also still have your full-time corporate job. You are running this business on your own. And then also just your personal life and, you know, having fun and doing other stuff outside of work. So how do you navigate all those different aspects of your life? Absolutely. And it's, it's so hard 
any one sphere that you operate in is, is delicate and it requires attention and it requires care. And the only way I've found to be sort of satisfied in all these different spheres that I want to participate in is to really draw strong boundaries, like build good fences between those, those different aspects, right? So, you know, as, as sort of like a professional woman coming up in, you know, a very competitive metropolis, you know, I wanted to compete and I wanted to dominate. And I found that bosses will, will ask you for your time and they will give you opportunities and they will try to help develop you. And at the end of the day, you have to remember that their best interest, right, is for you to deliver apex work for them on their schedule, right? And you can do that. But when you need a break from that, no one is going to give you that break. So you have to be able to like draw that line for yourself and say, okay, I have been kind of grinding on, you know, corporate strategy. And now, you know, I need to kind of like replenish myself with my creative side or even just an independent, an independent side that has, you know, nothing to do with someone else's ask of me. Right. So you've got to draw that book, that boundary, and you've got to take that hour, two hours, whatever you can carve out, you've got to carve it and you've got to take it because no one's just going to give it to you. And I think that's one of the, the, the sort of contentions of entrepreneurship that I disagree with the most is that you have to be a hundred percent committed 24, seven, 365 grind, hustle, never stop, never give up. Like it takes a lot of diligence, right? It takes a lot of hard work. That's for sure. But when you can devote that hour, that two hours, that's when you do it. And that's when you're going to be the most effective, the most efficient and the most productive, right? So it's one drawing those boundaries and making time for the things that make you happy, right? Like spending time with my family replenishes me and makes me creative and helps me focus when I am sort of on the clock with my, my corporate gig, like being balanced is possible, but you kind of have to fight for it. Right. And the other part of that is just picking a discrete task that you can accomplish. So this all began when I said, okay, the first thing that I want to do is, you know, set up my actual corporate structure because this isn't a side hustle. This isn't, you know, a hobby. I don't want to, you know, just have it be something that I, I dabble in occasionally. Like this is something that I want to start that I'm going to build that's going to become something. And to kind of formalize it helped reinforce that in my mind and I think in other people's minds as well. So the first thing I decided on was corporate structure and started researching that, got as many resources as I could. And, you know, after you review all the options, okay, that's, that's one piece of work for your kind of like entrepreneurship checklist. Like this week, I'm going to look at all of the different structures and see which one is going to work for me, which is going to benefit me the most. And then after you have a chance to do that next week, okay, what do I need to file, right? Like make your hit list but don't overload that list. On my calendar, I'll put one thing for the armory every other day. And if I get through it and I have more time and more energy, I'll do the next thing. But if I don't, then that one thing is done and I've, I've accomplished it. So make achievable steps. And that's, 
that's the only way to keep it moving forward. Just put one foot in front of the other. And, and, you know, that's how you'll go the distance, right? It's not this, this long, big, huge, like, I'm gonna like climb the mountain and do it all at once. It's just like literally one foot in front of the other. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I think that's great advice. Because the more little wins you have, the more momentum you build, and then eventually you can hit those bigger targets and those bigger goals. So exactly. exactly. 100%. Yeah. Okay. So I think we have time for about one more question, but I wanted to get your perspective and just hear your message to entrepreneurs, especially women entrepreneurs, based on your experience and just kind of what you've built and what you've learned and not only just in your career, but also in starting your business. Absolutely. Yeah. It, it's, it's so interesting because, you know, for, for me starting out and wanting to deliver on every ask that I, that I received, right. I didn't feel like I could say no a lot of the time. Like I felt like if there was that sort of like late afternoon meeting that I knew was going to go long, even if I had plans, like I felt like I put really my, my personal life second and I put it on the back burner a lot. And I think it's especially hard for women because we hear a lot about showing up and leaning in and delivering and kind of keeping the different pieces of our our lives separate. And I think that's changing a lot right now and and recently. I think there's a lot especially with all of us being at home with our families and like kids are real like you can hear them in the background like we hear dogs, like being forced to acknowledge people's families, I think has been a huge sea change that's only occurred in the past year, year and a half since we've been at home. And as a woman specifically, I had a, I think a harder time navigating situations where I was going to set up that boundary and, and say, no, you know, it's important to me to be with my family, like to, to take that time. And so for, you know, other women, I just want to reinforce that everyone's going to ask you for 100% of yourself in every single bucket of your life. And you're the only person who's going to be able to draw that line and stand up that wall and say like, no, you know, right now I've given you the best eight hours of my day. And now, you know, whatever hasn't been done is going to have to wait until tomorrow. Um, you know, in terms of my own personal life, I have a two and a half year old, you know, I have a wonderful husband and we have another on the way. And I think it's easy for me to, to sort of look at it with a really intentional perspective because there are are risks, you know, like if I don't devote the time to my, my child, that time is missed and it's gone. I think it's a lot harder for younger women where it's, it's still an abstract thought. It's a goal. It's something you'd like to really honor that and make time for it. So I guess, I, I guess it all comes back to boundaries, right? It all comes back to really fighting for the different aspects of your life that you want and deciding that you can change those ideas, but it's, it's your decision. You're the only person who will be the champion of protecting that time. So, so yeah, I don't know if that actually helps any, any like young women out there, but be committed to what you want and make time for yourself. And whether that time for yourself is 
going for a run or taking a nap or watching something beautiful or going to a museum or just doodling or making a mess, cooking something wonderful, seeing your friends, like whatever way you can recharge is valid and it's valuable and you're the only one who can give it to yourself. So take it because you deserve it. Wow. I love that. No, thank you so much. That message definitely hits home. I know, especially for me. So thank you for that. And thank you just so much for sharing your journey and your experience starting your business and your career and all of that. But before we wrap up, I guess, where can people connect with you and also check out your business if they're interested? Oh, absolutely. Well, you know, our website is armoryunited.com, A-R-M-O-R-Y, United. Um, on Instagram, we're the Armory United. So add that article in there. And that's honestly, I'm, I'm running our, our social media. Like we are very accessible. We are always looking for feedback. So on the website, there's always a, a link that you can click to send us a note. You can always DM us on, on Instagram and we'd be happy to talk to anyone at Loyola, any, anyone who is thinking about starting a project, anyone who just kind of wants to talk about the struggle of kind of like defending their time or defending their idea or, you know, how to make something work better. Like we're here as a resource. We, we went through business school, you know, we're still growing and any lessons that we have or any assistance that we can give, like we're here for it. Um, so definitely reach out. Don't hesitate. You know, any rambler is, is always, always welcome in our, in our DMs. So we'd be happy to hear from anyone. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. That wraps up the episode for today. Thank you so much for listening. Thanks, everyone. Thank you for listening to this episode of Spark. Don't forget to rate and subscribe to the podcast to stay informed about new episodes. You can also follow Ignite Lab on social media at LUC underscore Ignite underscore Lab. For more information about resources available through Ignite Lab, head over to ignitelab.org.